So I'm glad y'all came to the first CBS. And uh, typically, I've I told a couple of y'all, typically we're not sitting around tables on Wednesday nights. Um, typically we just set up chairs and stuff, but we we had, we did like this tonight because we just fed y'all pancakes and bacon. So can I get amen? So this semester we're going to study what the scriptures teach about the church. That's what we're going to do this fall in college Bible study is think through what the scriptures have to teach about the church. And uh, and to let you know where, I, where I'm going tonight, I wrestled with what I, what I was going to talk about. At first, I thought that, and I thought for a long time, it's, uh, you know, we just ate bacon and pancakes and stuff, and I was just going to, like, get up here and just tell you kind of what the plan was for this semester and, 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 and just leave it at that, and we'll sing and go home. But I woke up this morning with just a, I don't know, I don't usually wake up with strong impressions. I, most of the time I wake up and I don't want to wake up. But I woke up with a strong impression that I, that I wanted to share with you guys a little bit of what I shared this year at the Oaks Retreat. Um, now, some of you, there might be some of you in here that, you know, I don't know what the Oaks Retreat is. Well, I don't have time to tell you. But some of you were there when I spoke at the Oaks Retreat. And you're like, oh, I heard this guy say what he's about to say already. Um, but it's okay. Maybe, uh, maybe it'll, it'll be good for you to be reminded of what I'm about to say. I need to remind myself of it. On top of the fact that when I spoke at the Oaks Retreat this year, I was the last speaker of your session at 1 o'clock right after you ate lunch, and you probably don't remember what I said anyway. Yeah, this time I just fed you again before I speak. But um, at the Oaks Retreat, I, I, I was asked to talk about the importance of the, of the local church in your life. And I thought, if I'm going to talk about the church all semester long and what the scriptures teach about the church, well, this, this might fit the bill. And just let's all just be reminded of, of why it is that you're not just a Christian out there and I'm not just a Christian over here. But we're all Christians and, like, we have this habit of getting together like this. And, 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 and why, why do we do stuff like this? Why is that so ingrained? Why is that such a... Why is it such a, if you, as a Christian, why does that seem like such a natural impulse? Why is it one, though, that we neglect so much? So, and I think it's important to think about the importance of the local church in your life. It's, a, it's an important question. So it's a really good one because I think typically if we, if we think about the Christian life, our tendency, though, is, even though we do this a lot, this our, our, our just day-by-day tendency, when we think about our Christian life, we tend to think about ourselves first. I think about my relationship to God in Christ. I think about my struggles, my joys, what's going on in my life right now, or if some, something's going on with somebody else, how does it impact? What do I have coming up? right now in my life right now my my faith my assurance it 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 tends to center on my personal life and walk with christ Uh, at the oaks retreat i shared this quote by mark dever who's a pastor in washington dc and he wrote many christians in our culture tend to view their relationship no excuse me many christians in our culture tend to view their christianity as a personal relationship with God and not much else. They generally know that this personal relationship has 
some implications for how they should live. But I'm concerned that many Christians don't realize how this most important relationship with God necessitates a number of secondary relationships. The relationships that Christ establishes between us and his body, the church. And God doesn't mean for these, and he's still quoting it, God doesn't mean for these to be relationships that we pick and choose at our, as he said, at our whim. You know? Because what would be, if that was the way the church was, I'm just going to pick, I'm going to pick the people, we would pick the people that are just like us, and they wouldn't challenge us in any way. They would think just like us, want the same things we want, hate the same things we hate, look and like, just like us, we would never grow out of the state that we're in at that moment. He says, he means to establish us in a relationship with an actual flesh and blood, blood, step on your toes body of people. You know? So, in other words, God isn't just saving you, and he isn't just saving me, he's saving us. And he's saving a, a people. And it's actually, he saves you by the blood of Jesus Christ. But from that moment you trust in Jesus, whose blood and whose Holy Spirit saves you, the, the tools he actually uses to bring you from that point to heaven is usually a people, a people that is surrounded by you, that, that challenge you along the way. So I just want to talk for just a few minutes about why God has designed it in such a way that, that the, the local church isn't just important for you, but it is absolutely necessary, necessary. Because I think it's a, I think it's a biblical truth that you, you can only grow in Christ to the degree, to the degree that you are connected with and involved in a, a local church. And also, in a very real sense, that you can only be confident of your relationship with Christ to the degree that you're connected with and involved with and a member of even a local church. That's a bold statement, right? But I aim, to mean, I aim to explain what I mean by that. I want to think about three basic reasons why, as we think about um, the importance of the local church, I want to think about three reasons from Hebrews chapter 10. So if you brought a Bible, open to Hebrews chapter 10. If you didn't, you can look it up on your phone. If you don't have either one, I want to meet you. Um, you can just listen to me read. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at a few verses in this chapter. And I want to think from these verses, verses 19 to 25, about three reasons why the local church is not just important to you, necessary for you. Necessary for your growth in Christ. All right, and uh, let's read it. So Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 19 and read through verse 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have such a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want to pray. Father, um, this, this is your holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, clear, and necessary word. And, and we want to be taught by you, by your Holy Spirit, through this word. I don't have anything of my own to give. I only give what you say. So guard me from my own opinions. Help me say only what is true. And, and as that is read and spoken, give us eyes to see the truth, ears to hear it, hearts to, minds to understand it, hearts to believe it and embrace it and love the truth that we see here so that we have wills to carry it out. Lord, I don't know why this morning I woke up with such a strong impression to, to bring this word again. But please bless it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, there, these, in, these, in these verses right here, there are three reasons I see why the, the, the local church, this is one of them, right? There are many in this town. This is one of them why local churches like this one are not just important to you, but they go way beyond that. Necessary for you. Necessary. Three of them. Here's one of them. One, the local church uh, can confirm your faith and confirm your faith. For another thing, connecting with a local church and being invested in it, faithful to it, covenanting as a member of it, can guard your faith. Okay? We'll see that in verse 23. The first one was that we'll see in verse 22. And then the, the last, connecting with a local church, gives you the opportunity to practice your faith. And this might be the clearest point of all of them. That's mainly in verse 24. And we'll notice... Those three points, verse, verse 22, 23, 24, all of those things are grounded in verse 25 about not neglecting to meet together, implying that if you do neglect meeting together, it will threaten all three of those things in your life. And it will threaten your walk with Christ altogether. Before we think about verses 22, 23, 24, and 25, I want to point out for just a second that if we're thinking about this whole passage that I read at the outset that began in verse 19, I think that a lot of people would resonate with verses 19 to 21 and just leave it there. So look at those verses one more time. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, dot, dot, dot. Of course, every word of that is true. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And, we, and he has opened up the way for us to be forgiven of our sins before God. And he has, we do know his presence, as it says, in our lives. And we know that he's interceding for us as, as our great high priest. Everything that it says is true. Every bit of that is true about Jesus. But if the problem is that if there is a tendency, I said this earlier, if there is a tendency in our life right now, it is the tendency to think about those things in a very individualistic way. I have confidence to enter the holy place. That's true. I, that he's opened up a new and, and, and living way to me, and I have a great high priest. It's true. It's, but it's just, we say it like it's just me and Jesus. And as true as that is, in the sense that if you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as the Messiah, the Christ, He is all of those things for you. But the script and the Scripture says that in so many places, that's just not. This is not one of them. 
That's not what this passage is saying. It's not saying something different. It's just saying something more. Because there aren't any I's or me's in this passage. It's just all us's and we's. And, and so verses 19 to 21 about what Jesus has done for us lead into verses 22 through 25 about what this means for us, me and you, us together, and what we should do because of it. Not just what I should do, what we should do because of it. So this, this passage that we just read and that we're going to study for just a few minutes tonight, it cannot be understood you by yourself, you and Jesus. It cannot be understood. It can only be understood insofar as you are connected with a place like this. And I want to talk about that. So let's think about these three reasons that are given in this passage why the, the, the church is not just important but necessary to you. So let's think first about that, that first reason, I think in verse 22, that the that the, um, the, the, the church can confirm your faith. Look again at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts, notice the plural pronouns, us, our, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now the phrase I want to draw your attention to in that verse is full assurance of faith. You see it? Let us draw near with a heart in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. And that means exactly what it sounds like. What's your faith look like? I'm fully assured in my faith. And the Lord, so the Lord, let that teach you something. That all by itself. Let it teach you this, that the Lord doesn't just want you to repent of your sins and come in repentance to Him and put your faith in Christ, but having done that, the Lord really does desire that you have, day by day, full assurance of faith. To know that we're forgiven. And to know that we have peace with God. To know it in your bones. And to be confident and sure that we're in Christ, we're accepted in Him. The question that this passage, though, is trying to answer is, how do we have that? How do we have that kind of assurance in our bones? And the interesting thing to me is that the fact that in this verse, verse 22, it, it, that it says what it says, let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, in light of what it's already said in verse 19, that began... Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So according to verse 19, we already have confidence in Christ. But now in verse 22, it, it apparently in, implies that sometimes we're still in need of this full assurance of faith. As we draw near to God. Why? Why? Do, why? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Your heart is that way. My heart is that way. Our feelings are all over the place. And, and we listen to our feelings. The fact is, when we're sitting by ourselves and we know that we have trusted Christ, sometimes I just don't feel like I'm forgiven. And sometimes I just don't feel like God is close to me. And sometimes I don't feel like I'm accepted in Christ. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. And everybody around me seems to feel all sorts of things, and I don't feel it. 
What am I going to do? I need other people. That's what I, that's what I need. I need other people. I need, I need other people speaking into my life. I need people, and not just anything, but I need them speaking truth into my life and not just what they think is truth, the truth, over and over and over again. And that's why there are places like this. That is why God created the idea of the local church. So that you have a place and a people to come to where the most flagrant thing we do is just say what's right here. And it's going to be the same next week as it was this week. If you, go to, if you go to a church somewhere and they're saying new stuff all the time, run yourself out of there. Seriously. Go somewhere where they repeat themselves all, all the time. Because there's not a new truth. You can only dress the old truth up so many ways. We go, we go to, the, we go to the, the body of Christ so that in the body of Christ we hear the same old gospel promises over and over and over and over and over again. And Jesus prayed in John 17, 17. He prayed right before he died for our sins. He prayed, sanctify them, Lord. Sanctify them in the truth. The word is truth. So that's how we're sanctified. When we hear his word over and over again, the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. And not just reading it for ourselves in our room, but coming together and hearing it read out loud together. That's exactly what Paul says in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. That's not just first-time faith, that's everyday faith. And so as we're, as we're confirmed in our faith and we grow into this full assurance of faith together, even we don't feel like it, I don't feel like it, the objective, that my feelings don't change the objective truth. Hebrews 10, 22 puts it, that happens as we're present with the church, week in, week out, week after week after week, hearing the truth of the gospel preached and taught to us over and over and over again. You're going to have, you're going to have hard moments. You're going to have hard seasons. You're going to have dry seasons, and you're going to have shaky seasons, doubtful seasons. Not just moments, but seasons. And the thing that's going to get you through that is not just the thousand new things you've heard. That's going to be a jumbled mess in your brain. It's going to be the, tr- the one truth that you heard a thousand times and heard it in the presence of all these other brothers and sisters that believe in the same thing, Right? That's exactly what this passage has in mind because there are three consecutive verses that begin with the word, let us, verses 22, 23, 24. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us consider. And and they are all put into practice by verse 25. Let's not neglect to meet together. It applies to each one of those. So in this case, how do you learn to draw near? That's what verse 22 says. Let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. How do we do that? Answer, verse 25, don't neglect to meet together. Don't neglect and meet again and hear the word again. Hear the, hear the truth again. Be encouraged by your brothers and sisters or in the, faith, in, the, in the faith. When our feelings are all over the place, it's a comfort to hear the, every week the gospel that never changes. 
And sometimes I just need to get out of my own head. And I need somebody to speak into me. Yeah, that's one reason. It can confirm your faith when your feelings are all over the place. But there's a second reason why the, the, here that the local church is indispensable to my walk with Christ. And it's not just to confirm my faith when it's ever in question in my mind, but it's to guard it. It's to guard it. That's something that the local church helps do. Look at, look at verse 23. Let us, second command, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's a beautiful verse. And the key words there, if the key words in the first one were the full assurance of faith, the key words here are without wavering. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful. But almost just as important as that phrase, without wavering, are the words us and our. Just keep seeing that. Rather than you and your, you hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. It doesn't say that. It says us and our. Rather, it's, it's not me and mine. Let's us hold fast. We do it together. We hold fast together. And hold fast the confession of our hope. It's something we share together. Well, what confidence can we have that we're going to hold conf confidence and, 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 and persevere to the very end? Well, the answer is, given in this verse, is that God will not let us go. He who promised is faithful. <laughs> How can, I be how can I be confident that I'm going to make it to the end? I'm not going to abandon my faith somewhere 20 years down the road? Because he who promised is faithful. God's not going to let you go. But it's not like it's by his grace that we get into our salvation and it's up to us to get to the end. No, he's faithful. But how does the Lord work out this promise to not let you go? How does he work it out in real time? Because God doesn't, he didn't choose. We just know it from this passage like this, that God, God is faithful he's not going to let you go but he's not just going to zap you zap you zap you zap you zap you every moment of your life and just magically no he's going to use real tangible means to make that that promise come true and he's going to do it no surprise by a people so again like during this dry season in my life i don't i, I know that i'm not going to abandon my confession or during this really hard time in my life i won't abandon my confession or when i'm wrestling with this thought this issue this idea that i've never encountered before and it's shaking my faith just a little bit i'm not going to eventually abandon my faith I, I, you know i'm not going to abandon it because it's not i and me it's us and we let us hold fast without wavering you need other people because other people probably just came through the dry season you're in and other people are also at a really hard time in your life. So God isn't singling you out. You've got people that you can persevere with together. Or you've got, you've got somebody who's already sorted through that thorny idea that's given you problems. They can talk you through it. So, bottom line is this. God did not just give you a promise to keep you persevering in your faith. He gave you a people. And that's the local church. Again, made up, made up of people just like you and made up of people not even almost a little bit like you. You need both kinds. Yeah. 
who share your same confession and hope and who persevere without wavering. Again, it's how is it achieved? Not neglecting to meet together with both kinds of people. Don't come to church to be anonymous, hoping not to be noticed. Know and be known. So the local church works in your life to confirm your faith, to guard your faith, and third, to, so that it gives you a place to practice your faith. We'll end with this. Not that, not that you can't practice your faith out in the world. You will, and you should. But the New Testament envisions a whole lot more than that. And, it's, and the New Testament sees your, your faith being lived out with a very specific group of people. Because the admonition in verse 24, look there, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. What good works? Well, I don't know. Maybe all the one another commands in the New Testament. Because it says, let us, uh, it has that phrase, let's stir up one another. That's that well-defined group of people that I'm talking about. What good works? Just listen to the, all the one another commands. There are a there are a ton of commands in the Bible that you cannot obey by yourself. You actually need a group in which to obey. Romans 12:10 Outdo one another in showing honor. And live and love one another with brotherly affection. Romans 12:16 Live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. How can you do that by yourself? Romans 15, 14, instruct one another. Romans 16, 6, greet one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, comfort one another and agree with one another. Galatians 5, 13, through love serve one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 2, bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you are in a, 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 a group of people, a, a local church of people with people that are just like you and also not even a little bit like you at all, Ephesians 4.30 is your verse, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3.16, teach and admonish one another. You can't do that by yourself. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, abound in love for one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage one another. 5.15, do good to one another. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. I'm not even kidding. Like, you, if you struggle with... A, if you struggle with Something you've done. And you, and you want to know, I, I just, I, you've done something, or maybe you've been caught up in some kind of sin, and you don't know how God can forgive you. I'm telling you, the, the more you bottle that up, the more it weighs you down. And there's a, there's a, there's a uh, there's a cleansing, a cleansing. I mean, the blood of Christ cleanses you from the sin, but but I'm just telling you, there's a cleansing feeling that comes over you when you just confess your sins to one another. Why does it? Why is it? Why does that feel so? 
weightlifting because we're commanded in Scripture to do it. That's the Holy Spirit smiling on you. Right? 1 Peter 1.22, love one another honestly from a pure heart. 4.8, keep on loving one another earnestly. 4.9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 4.10, serve one another. 1 Peter 5.5, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. All of these one another passages, as true as it would be, doesn't say just do this to people generally, as true as that would be. But And we should do that. But... It, it, all those verses say we should act this way with one another. That's a very fine group of people. A local church. I left, I, just, I left out one more one another passage. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. I memorized a, a song in children's choir to these verses in the King James Version. But I'm not going to sing it to you. But it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God. Part of the way that you demonstrate that you know God and he knows you and you love God and he loves you is the way that you love this defined group of people. That's how you demonstrate it. Which you do, according to verse 25, at the very least, by not neglecting to meet together. And when you do meet together, you act toward this group of people, you act in all these ways. The church is the place for you to practice the faith that the scriptures has called you to, leave, to live out. So I'm just telling you, and I'll leave it at this, it's hard to overstate the importance and the absolute necessity of the local church in your life. The regular faithfulness to it, commitment to it, to be in the presence of the word being taught, to have this group of people to obey all those commands I just read with. It can confirm your faith when it's shaky, guard your faith when it's wavering, and give you the place to obey all that the scriptures has for you to obey. Don't neglect to meet together with one another as is the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray.